I often wonder if Lindsay is sitting there at her computer. I imagine she has like a very nice desk. Yeah. A little coffee cup with like the like USB coffee cup, like warmer Warmer. that keeps it, you know what I mean? Like I I can can imagine that. Mm -hmm. And she goes into the Dropbox. Yeah, and guess what she finds? Oh, and just opens us up raw, (laughs) unfiltered, unhinged, unhinged, and just. She's like, what? Like, I I can only imagine what she's expecting in the first 10 minutes before we actually get to the topic. (laughs) I warned her about the next one. (laughs) Just prepare yourself. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. She's going to have to do a lot of cutting and editing on the one on the monkey podcast. Truly. The monkey cast. (laughs) There are very few times where you have made me laugh to the point where I'm unable to articulate the laugh anymore and I just collapse out of frame. That's like, my favorite. <laughs> when I saw you dive out of frame, you couldn't, you couldn't contain yourself any longer. And look, I thought your story was funnier, quite frankly, than mine. It was just my reference. It was my Willem Dafoe reference that really got you. That did me in. Yeah, 100%. Because it was so vivid. Mind you, we've both heard those stories before. And they were still that funny. Still that funny. Yeah. Now, my question is, mm. is this funny for anyone other than you and me? I mean, obviously, we're not so popular in Norway because we're not fucking funny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why you're asking that. Like, why are we wasting precious recording time wondering if people think we're funny? Obviously. That's not something we should even be concerning ourselves with. So on my, I put together the head, Lindsay put together the sizzle reel for me for speaking. Yeah. And at one point in the sizzle reel, it's just a face shot of me, like the one you're seeing right now. Yeah. It's sort of black and white and I'm laughing. Right. And (laughs) and there's just these different places that I've shown up in my work has been, you know, it's like New York times, Rolling Stone, you know, and I'm, but I'm obviously just tickled to death. Like it's, <laughs> the, the laugh looks infectious, even though you can't hear it. And to a person who knows us and knows the show, they're like, you're talking to Sarah there, aren't you? <laughs> 100%. It's like when you, when I'm talking to you on the phone and Corey's like, Lair, right? Yeah, like <laughs> when, when, when you and I are texting, and I'm laying in bed, and the bed shaking because I'm laughing so hard. After trying to sleep, and she's like, "Sarah, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus Christ!" <laughs> Tell her I said hi. <laughs> <laughs> my kids, my kids will say, "They'll hear me talking." That's Sarah, isn't it? Yeah. What'd she say next? Because they want all they want all the dirty funny. Oh my god! Some of my children, I can't cannot listen to this podcast. Ash was listening to it in the car not not too long ago, and was immediate almost drove off the road, endangering my children's <laughs> lives and her own because she's trying to turn it off before they heard any whatever is coming out of our mouths. Yeah, I had a guy, I had a guy write in. I had a guy write into my website. He wanted he wanted to come on board as my one, as one of my clients. Mm. Ash has been dying for me to tell you this. 
his essentially his whole line is, hey, man, I've seen your your podcasts and I have to say, I think you're my kind of asshole. (laughs) This is going to work. This is going to work. You're my kind of asshole. The fuck? I'm a licensed professional. I've spoken at many symposiums. You know what, though? Like, as a marketer, I'm like, nice work guy, because I imagine you get a lot of emails of people who want to, like, work with you and whatever. And, like, you have to have something that's going to catch the eye to be like, yeah, Yeah. cut through the noise. Get the the attention. Boy, that got my attention. I I burst out (laughs) laughing. You're my kind of asshole. All right. All right. This therapy's going to go. Let's set up your consultation. <laughs> First, let's talk about your social skills. <laughs> also, do you want to be on our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> That's the prerequisite. Are you funny? Yeah. You've got to be funny. Perfect. Booked. Good. <laughs> so this thing could go off the rails, though. At any moment. Truly. That's what we're looking for. That, that's on brand. Well, the, and that's exactly right, which which leads me to our topic today. When we had been talking about it, I had said, ah, oh, this, this is a heavy one. It's a little, it's a little different for our brand. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. No, this is all us. No, no, because I think the hallmark of our brand is that we can dance on the surface and have fun and have humor and make fun of ourselves as we always do. And then we try, and this is the way I talk about the podcast to people. I say, you know, then we dive the depths because, but who wants that same note yeah. being played throughout an entire podcast? I don't. Same. I get bored quick. I mean, you know, there's one podcast in particular that I like on being Mm -hmm. an older one. She's been around for a long time and it's just, and she's great, but it's very monotone and it's, you know, there's very little humor in it. It's all straightforward, really good information. But after a while I'm like, damn man, let's mix it up a little bit. And I think a lot of podcasts fall victim to that. Right. I want to deliver so much really good information. That's great. But I think you need to do it in sort of an entertaining kind of a way. I try to do that with the book too. Yeah. It's got to have a little personality. It really does. Don't be afraid to talk about, you know, your first job working with monkeys. (laughs) Don't be afraid of it. Also, don't be afraid of emailing a licensed professional therapist and saying, you're my kind of asshole. Like, (laughs) you got to have personality, you know? What kind of fucking honey hole am I creating over here with someone writing that? The best kind, clearly. I said honey hole, (laughs) by the way. We're children. We are children. (laughs) That's actually the the podcast should have been called In Need of Supervision. Damn. (laughs) That's a good fucking name. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 100%. So I guess we shouldn't leave everybody in suspense any longer. What is our topic this week? Exactly. Well, thank you. Thank you for, first of all, thank you for joining us again for another episode of Not Your Mama's Therapy. Today, we're going to talk about abusive relationships. 
Um, so trigger warning for some of our listeners, like if this feels too heavy or whatever, like we want to make sure you know the topic Mm -hmm. right out of the gate. So you're not feeling vulnerable or triggered or any number of those things. But, you know, when we had kind of talked about this prior to recording, we had said, you know, when we, when we're doing our podcast, we, you know, we'll talk about like an issue. And one of the things that you often disclaimer is we're not talking about abuse here. Like there's a, there's a distinct difference from a partner not being emotionally connected and like abuse. Right. And so this episode is going to be tackling that subject and it's going to be looking at are the relationship problems that we're experiencing relationship problems? Mm-hmm. Are they abuse? Mm-hmm. Can you therapy a couple or a person out of being an abuser? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in sessions, like based on your experience, you know, what are the the sort of indicators that, you know, pop up where that red flag kind of goes up in your brain? This is why you're here, by the way. This is, you're this you're I don't care what room we're standing in. You might be the smartest motherfucker in there. Truly. <laughs> I, I just I love the whole opening. My audience. dating history says otherwise. So. <laughs> Corey, not you. Not you. You're the good one. Yeah, he's a good one. <laughs> he is a good one. But yeah, yeah go ahead. He's my kind of Tell asshole. me more about that. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So you were saying how smart I am. Go ahead. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, no, I really liked because I didn't, I should have like, here I am with the license and I didn't think of the trigger warning. And I think that's really important. I think it's really astute of you to consider those folks that might, you know, hear some of this and look, a lot can happen for you in this. If you're listening, you can be thinking to yourself, I don't think this really pertains to me, but I'll listen. And then suddenly find out that in fact, maybe there are some things there for you because today we're probably not talking about physical abuse. We're not talking about bruises. We're not talking about things that you scars that you can see on the outside. We're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, marks that look like scars on the inside mm-hmm. or insidious emotional abuse, that type of thing. Yeah, that's that's also a great point. I mean, if not that those types of abuse don't happen and if you're in them, if somebody hits you, they're an abuser, mm-hmm. period. There is no there's no like gray area. There's no male well, or was, female, male or female. Mm-hmm. Also a good point mm-hmm. or non-binary, whatever your identification is, Thank you can you. be an point. abuser. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that for us is pretty clear cut. Mm -hmm. Physical abuse, you know when it's happening. Yeah. You know it shouldn't be happening. Right. But like you said, this the emotional abuse, the mental abuse, the, Mm -hmm. you know, the things people sometimes don't do can be considered abuse as well. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm curious in your experience with couples, what often manifests like in terms of abuse? Like what do you most commonly see? When people come into your office. Control. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. When we're talking, you know, I went to your point. I was making that sort of disclaimer on Instagram recently where I I was, I don't remember what the the reel was I was doing, but within it, I said, this course, this does not, this excludes abuse in all of its forms. And I I wanted to get to the point that I was trying to make. We have a minute, Mm. 30 seconds or whatever it is to get it done. And of course, someone wrote in like, well, how do you find, how do you define abuse? And I said, well, I was 
putting up the disclaimer so I wouldn't have this particular conversation to field in the comment section on Instagram because I don't think it's 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 really it's hard. not a comment section. No, topic. Yeah. no, it's not. And I did the best they could at the time. But so I thought, you know, you bringing this up was really good, a really good idea. But yeah, in, in at first, I noticed that there is some control. And also I'll hear things like, well, they'll be a little afraid to bring something up. Mm -hmm. And one of the partners will mention like, and as I bring this up, I notice, you know, I'm a little afraid of when we leave here, how this is going to go, that you're going to be really upset with me. You're going to be really angry with me that I brought this up. And so that might not be abuse in totality, but you're talking about what are the ones, what are the, the things that I'm sort of marking on the whiteboard going, okay, that's, yeah. that's a Nick in that direction. That's yeah, a Nick exactly. That direction. Cause it's probably not going to, it's, it's so insidious. It's not going right. to necessarily be always be one big thing. And mm -hmm. it's also something that both partners have sort of argued themselves out of though. The, the mm -hmm. abuser is, doesn't think they're an abuser necessarily. Mm -hmm. And they've sort of made the person who's being abused feel as though they're not being abused through right. the gaslighting and controlling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you've got those like ticks in the yeah. direction of, of abuse. Mm -hmm. How, how do you most commonly handle that? Do you bring it up as, as they're in the office as a couple? Is it a conversation you have outside of a couple mm -hmm. session? Like, what does that look like? So within the academia of couples therapy, it, uh, whether, if there is abuse within the couple system, the relationship is not viable. Therefore, couples therapy is contraindicated. Mm -hmm. Right. So I can't mm -hmm. see you. Mm -hmm. And so it will depend on a lot of different circumstances. Now, if the person who is essentially the abuser, I think if, if I think they have a personality disorder, like if they have narcissistic personality disorder, I'm probably not going to go bold face into that. Yeah. Yeah. I may do individual sessions where I mm -hmm. tell the person who's being abused that I think I think this, I think your person is, has a personality disorder more than likely. Mm -hmm. And I think that your relationship is, is abusive. I think, mm -hmm. and I think, and I, and I wonder how it feels for me to say that. Mm -hmm. And very often it's like, oh, really? Okay. I did. And they'll, it'll be a relief as scary as it might be. Yeah. If it's outright physical, uh, the times where I've really called it out in session, I'll just be like, I think you guys are abusive to each other. Mm -hmm. I think you say mm -hmm. things that are bullshit. I think you're doing things that are controlling and assholic and mm -hmm. I think you both know it and I'm not, I can't see anymore if this continues. Mm -hmm. So depending if, if they are actually functional and compensated and not one suffering from personality disorder, I, I'll probably call it out right in session and say, I can't see you guys anymore. Mm -hmm. And I've done that recently. Mm -hmm. Recently though, I had this couple, they were dying to get into my, into my practice and they kept calling, kept calling. She kept calling. I know she kept calling. She kept calling. Mm. And as soon as I met the guy, it was my, I, my, I had my skin kind of crawled. Your hackles went oh, up. Oh, I knew it. Yeah. I was like, this is a narcissist, maybe a borderline. And, you know, he owned nothing, mm. took zero responsibility. She was doing all of the emotional labor. Mm. He was emotionally and he was emotionally abusive to the kids and took no responsibility for it and had her in such a place that she was sort of, you know, grappling to get back into this man's good graces all of the time. She mm. was always in that one down position. Mm. And so I essentially told them that the way he was acting, the side note to my practice is you've got to want to. And there were enough sort of indicators that he really didn't want to be in the relationship. And I said, I don't think you really want to be in this relationship. Mm. And I turned to her and I said, and I think you should listen to that. And I think you need some individual couples therapy. So I sent her and him to their own couples therapy. I'm not sure that he ever 
continued. I know that she did. And that's the way I dealt with that. But Mm. it was absolutely emotional abuse. It was covert Mm. emotional abuse going on. Yeah. Mm hmm. The, the covert is what resonated with me. Having been in a, an abusive relationship myself, you lose sight mm-hmm. of reality. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, where mm-hmm. someone like you being like, hey, uh, this uh, actually isn't fucking right. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, you need that third party to validate that awful feeling you've had in your stomach mm-hmm. or in your chest or whatever for weeks, months, years, Mm -hmm. for me, at least, that's how it manifested. That was that like, that was like my body physically telling me, you are not in the space you're supposed to be in. And it's absolutely insidious. It's absolutely, you know, your gaslight, your, you know, all of these other things. So I'm curious, when you can you Let's let's say you have this person. They don't have a personality disorder. Mm-hmm. They, they've come into the practice and with their partner. Can that person get better? And can the relationship endure this and, and improve? Or in your experience, is it usually that's it? You guys should go separate ways. Well, you know, it's really tough because if it's something like narcissistic personality disorder or borderline those are two, those are two things that are really hard to diagnose. And it's really hard to, to be the only one saying that to them. If they haven't heard it from a psychologist or something like that, or psychiatrist in the past Mm. and have that diagnosis, then you being the first one to say that to them, they're going to deny that because there's a, within the borderline complex, there is a big piece of narcissism. And so Mm -hmm. there is this understanding that I am this person, I'm not an abuser. And they, they have this, this conflated idea of who they actually are in the world. Mm -hmm. sort of like a social mask Mm -hmm. and everything that they do is in service essentially to that social mask, especially for the narcissist. And so if I'm the one standing there going, Hey, you know what? You're abusing this person. They're probably going to deny me out of hand and be like, this guy's a quack. We're out of here. And I'll probably want be one in a long line of good therapists who couldn't help them because you have to be careful how you uh, disseminate that. Mm. So there's a couple of big hurdles. One is, can that person hear, can both people hear that there's abuse in the relationship? I think there's abuse in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And can they also recognize, I guess your question was, if there's no, if there's no personality disorder, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously with personality disorders, you know, you're kind of dealing with these yeah. things, but what, let's say you've identified that they're not in those buckets. Mm-hmm. Where do you take them? I'll bring it to the service. I will bring it out. I'll work with them for a little while and, you know, I will get them into their bodies and get them talking about how they, especially like when it starts to come up, they get to the point where they can kind of trust me and maybe I've been seeing pieces and parts of it. And so you have to kind of gauge it. And really it's a feel about when have I built enough trust Mm. with both partners, especially the one who I think is the abuser. Enough that I can say, hey, in the way that I do, like, you're being kind of a dick. And I think sure. you know it, right? Sometimes even in that fashion, like, I'll use those, mm. the, you know, <laughs> those terms to kind of meet them on that, on that, level. on that level rather than looking down from a, on them from on high. Instead, I'm, I'm sort of a trusted friend imparting some information. Like, I think I see this and often they will listen, mm. but I'll get them into their bodies feeling into like, how did it feel when you just said that? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Now feel into how did it feel when you because I know how it felt for me to see it. I wonder how it felt for you to hear it. I'll point to the person who I feel is being abused and they'll unpack feeling controlled or feeling demeaned or feeling like they are walking on eggshells or feeling like 
they're never right. They're always wrong. And slowly what will come to the surface is the definition of abuse. Sure. And so I almost don't have to say anything other than to point out what's on the table between us, mm. which is, guys, by definition, this is abusive. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And he, something mm-hmm. has to change or we can't continue doing this anymore. And then they know, like, if, I, if, if I've gotten them to that point where they trust me, if I'm going to quit, then they go, okay, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Right. Maybe there is something wrong. And so that trust factor in, in dealing with these folks is really, it's, it's a really important one, at least in my estimation. Yeah. No, it makes complete sense. You know, I think of the, the woman in that couple you just talked about where she called you a bajillion times mm-hmm. because they just want it to get better. Yep. You know, they just, mm-hmm. you're, you're so focused on that that you forget, you know, the healing that you now have to do both in your relationship and in yourself mm-hmm. to get through what you've been experiencing. It's something you said earlier, which is they often don't even know it because the mm-hmm. culture of the relationship has been abusive for so long and it was so insidious and it started small. Mm-hmm. So you have kind of this boiled frog kind of experience for many people because again, well, he's not hitting me or she, she's not hitting me or they aren't hitting me. It's, I feel all of this tumult within me and I can't really explain it because every time I try to talk to my partner about it, I'm dissuaded from my experience. My experience Mm -hmm. is stolen. I'm gaslit in that way. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I do. I do kind of want to go into specifics a little bit, just from the standpoint of having been in a situation like this where Mm -hmm. I didn't understand that Mm -hmm. I was in an abusive relationship. Like we talked about control. Mm -hmm. Do you have like examples of that control that you most commonly see that someone might be like, wait a second, that's me, you know? So I go back to my mom. My biological Mm -hmm. father was a stone cold emotional abuser. He was, he was in training camp for becoming a physical abuser. Mm -hmm. Had she not been tougher. But I remember her telling stories about how he would take her paychecks, mm. right? Like she would work mm-hmm. her ass off and her, her paychecks went right to him at the end of every week. Mm-hmm. And he controlled all the money. Mm-hmm. So much so that he had a coin jar and she would steal money out of the coin jar to buy coffee at work, mm. right? And so she right. was absolutely being controlled all the time. Mm-hmm. She actually didn't want to name me my name and wanted to name me another name. But when she, na- when she said the name, she wanted to name me David. Mm. He accused her of cheating with some guy named David. Mm. And so it's jealousies, it's financial control, it's cordoning off from family and friends. That's a big one. Yeah, that's a really big one, right? Like if a friend- Isolation, yeah. Isolation, sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and so if if they get the sense that this friend is going to kind of disrupt what they've got going on, Mm -hmm. they will absolutely begin to cordon you off. They will start start building a narrative around that friend and within you or around that family member and within you, that's particularly negative. Mm-hmm. And you'll have, then you'll see that person begin to distance themselves from friends and family. And friends and family will begin to notice it. They'll have to see your phone. They'll want your passwords to your computer. Mm-hmm. They'll go into it with your knowledge or without. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, I mean, those are just some. I, there was another yeah. one that I was trying to think of, but now I can't think of it. Yeah. Constantly knows the, you know where you are. The tracking. Yep. The accusations, the making you prove yourself. I think that's another big one that Mm -hmm. I've seen before and Mm -hmm. experienced myself where it's like, 
well, prove to me that you were there, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and that you weren't out with somebody else or whatever the situation might be. Mm -hmm. I've also seen food related abuse from the standpoint of like controlling what you eat, controlling, Mm -hmm. you know, what you're allowed to eat, Mm -hmm. how often you're allowed to eat Mm -hmm. or on the flip side, people who are dealing with some true trauma and they want their partner to get heavier and heavier and heavier because they're not, you know, as attractive to somebody else is what mm-hmm. they would assume, that's et cetera. Right. Like that sort of thing, too, that I've seen that's many of these are the ones you wouldn't think of. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. What you post on social media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Comments. Yeah. Comments you make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It extends, it extends in all facets of life, right? So like it affects your job. It affects your family relationships. It, aff- it affects your friendships. It affects everything. And slowly they just get their fingers in until there's not a single part of your life that they don't have some opinion on or say on for what you should do, what they expect of you, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah, and if you push back on these seemingly mundane issues, there's blowback and you find yourselves, many of my clients mm-hmm. who have, and you could probably attest to some of this is you feel like you're walking yeah. on eggshells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're always being careful. You're always, which I, I didn't realize how, just how dark this was, but you're always one step ahead. You're always like thinking a day ahead, a, a couple hours ahead. And so it, in a lot of ways, robs you from being in the present, robs you from the ability to, of being mindful about yourself and your body. It completely detaches you from that first practice so that now you're just sort of floating out there of like, just all you're trying to do is predict what might make them unhappy. Yeah. You know, you're almost, and this happens too, where I will talk about fight, flight. And then I'll mention freeze or appease and freeze and appease are both trauma responses. They're both responses from Mm -hmm. some kind of abuse, right? When you freeze, what are you doing? But you're Mm -hmm. waiting for the predator to go. And I remember when I started, I was, you know, would not have thought this couple had abuse necessarily within the system. It wasn't something that was presenting itself. And I was talking about parts and I was talking about, you know, is your fighter a fleer? I said, is it a freezer? And then her eyes just mm-hmm. filled with tears. You know, I always say that people cry in my, in my office for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is mm-hmm. when I hit the mm-hmm. truth button, you speak their truth. Mm-hmm. And I had spoken mm-hmm. her truth and she was a freezer. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember turning to her and saying, you know, I'm noticing that you're, you've come to emotion when I said freeze. And that to me denotes some kind of trauma mm-hmm. and perhaps abuse and, and all that sort of st- started coming right, out. Like in that the session. floodgates open because you created a safe yeah, space yeah. for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you have freeze if you're a freezer or you're an appeaser, right? Are you feeding the crocodile? Are you feeding the monster so it doesn't eat you in the form of just being nice, being kind, always being malleable, never really having an opinion because you know, if you do, mm-hmm. you are going to get eaten. And so really checking in with your responses, your, your, uh, 
are you a fight, flight, freeze, appease person? That's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think I was a little bit of a freeze and an appease, depending on the situation. Like just you mm-hmm. talking about that, I'm thinking like, I'm thinking of responses in my past that I've had. Also, just to be clear, it's not fucking Corey. Okay. He's a great guy. Like, hold on a second. I think you're, 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 you're trying to protect the abuser right now. You know, when you've been calling him the good one, (laughs) it's It's you, isn't it? (laughs) It's been me the whole time. (laughs) Finish your point though. No, I, I just was, I, I, it, it made me think it's such a provocative question. It makes you immediately pause immediately puts you in a mindful state, which is why it's so smart. Because immediately now you're thinking, you're like, wait, how how do I respond? Like if something terrible, terrible or not, if something happens to me, how am I responding to that stimulus? And I, I could see why it opened the floodgates for her and why the tears started flowing because it's that it's that instant realization. It's that instant validation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that person was always doing all the emotional labor for everybody, just trying to go around and make sure everybody's doing okay. And so you have to ask the question, you know, where did that come from? Why, why is it that you're doing all of that for everybody and, and not really concerned about yourself at all? Because you know, mm. that this person is safe as long as everyone else is safe, or at least that person over there is, is, is got their needs met. And so mm-hmm. checking in with yourself about freeze and appease is a really good way to know, like if you, if you, if it's not overt for you that, Mm-hmm. It's at least happened in your history or it could be happening right now. Going back to one of those mm-hmm. things you asked, you said, what are some of the things you you see? And we talked about control, the money, the friends. And the, recently, what's come up is I've, I've had clients come back in and say that their partners are questioning your therapy and your therapist. Such a good one. <laughs> That's such a good one. It, it yeah. sucks, though, because is the person is for me, I'm sitting there going now I have to say it's going to sound like I'm trying to make my case. Right. Right. I'm not actually arguing for me in this moment because I want you to stay. But right. But I'm good. I'm 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 actually arguing for you. Right. That and I'm not. Look, there are. I need to say there are there are shitty therapists out there. Sometimes I actually said it to Ashley once. It's a fairly for people who know us. I actually said to her in a therapy session with the therapist. I said, "You need a new therapist," because mm-hmm. she did. That's a different mm-hmm. story. There wasn't. There was, this wasn't an abusive. I wasn't abusing her. Um, really. <laughs> but when someone says you know, what the fuck is that therapist of yours telling mm. you? Or you need a new therapist or the therapy is rocking the boat. Therapy is, is rocking the boat. That's mm. right. But it's uncovering this covert abuse, perhaps, mm. that's happening. I, I hadn't thought about that. I was thinking about it from the family angle of, you know, that person is poisoning you against me. Your mom there you go. is is telling mm-hmm. you this and you, listen, I don't fucking like her. Okay. And we're not going to Christmas anymore or whatever. I think yeah. about that yeah. and then, but I hadn't thought about, you're absolutely right, going in and, and having someone say, no, 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 your therapist is the problem. Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. for somebody who's in a relationship where they are currently being abused, how destabilizing mm-hmm. that statement is when you're just mm-hmm. trying to get help, just yep. trying to get help. Yeah. I've had that happen a few times recently. I want to, I, I want to touch on from the therapist side of things, you know, 
obviously you are experiencing a vast array of clients, traumas, situations, etc. How are you taking care of yourself when you're in you know, a session like that where you've had to talk about heavy things like abuse? Like, What are you doing to like keep yourself healthy and your mind right? I was just, you know, the plethora of terrible things I wanted to say Mm -hmm. in response to that. There were so many actually got like a brain glut and I couldn't come up with anything good because there was just so many opportunities to talk about all the terrible things I was going to do to my family. But I didn't. (laughs) Smart. I'm not going to say that. (laughs) Yeah, I was also going to say, you know, um, I just try not to care. I try not to give a shit about my clients. That's just completely (laughs) disassociate from it. That's the key. Who cares? It's hard to take that with you when you see. Look, I come from that, right? I come from women being abused. I grew up, I always like say, I kind of grew up in a house full of women, tough women, but there was a lot of toxic male shit around and women being kind Mm -hmm. of abused in one way or another. And so Mm -hmm. when I see it, it's fucking Mm -hmm. hard because I want to hit it. And So sometimes what I'll do is I'll model for my clients because they don't know the type of behavior that would be appropriate for a protector. Mm. I said to someone the other day, I don't know how good it was, (laughs) but she was being abused by a partner and, and she's younger than me. And I said, I can tell you right now, if you were my daughter, I just set my fucking hair on fire and driven a truck through his front door. This is so original. <laughs> I'm not sure why I had to set my hair ablaze. But that LA looks hair gel you got going and it's just gonna really go up. No, it's gonna be quick. By the way, the powder, it's great stuff. This show's been brought to you by Uppercut, which is odd for the for the subject matter. Right, exactly. So yeah, I said that. I said that to her. And, you know, honestly, she felt so loved mm. and cared about. She, It was like, yeah, that would have been the appropriate response from my parent, from someone who mm-hmm. cares about me. And so, you know, my, my, my answer to your question is I love my clients to the degree that I should, the, to the degree that it's appropriate. And so I will feel that, but I also have to put it down because you have so many people in your practice dealing with so many different things that if you take that on to too much of a degree, then you're going to experience compassion fatigue very, very quickly. And you're going to, you know, you're going to lose your ability to do your job. It goes back to that old story, that old Buddhist story of a man came upon another man in the woods one day and it was a man with a rock on his chest and he couldn't breathe. And the person who found him is so empathetic and so compassionate that he actually started to breathe heavy too. And he was so empathetic to the man's plight that he actually Mm. passed out and Mm. the man died. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea is that if you become too empathetic and too compassionate over that line, then of course you're not going to be able to be particularly helpful. Yeah. No, that makes complete sense. And so, but the one thing, and this is why I fucking love the Helix training program or the, the, the first four year training program that I came from for the first year and, and throughout the entire four years, I'd have to say they kept reminding us that your clients have everything within them that it takes to heal. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's your job to kind of just show them where that shit is. Mm-hmm. And so that absolved me from doing all the labor of carrying sure. it, of being the one that sets your hair on fire and drives through the door. Sure. It's a nice sentiment that I would want to do that for her. It shows her that like, that's something that someone should do. And if I could, I would. Mm-hmm. It's not appropriate that I do that, of course. <laughs> but also it's, 
you know, if I was driving my truck through, I don't have a truck, but I, I do. I a, you can borrow it. I have, a van, I have an awesome van, <laughs> surf van, through everybody's door who hurt my clients. That wouldn't be particularly good either. And my point is, is the thing I do is I try to show them that they have everything that it takes to heal themselves. Part of the problem is, is this person in this particular case on this particular topic is showing them all the reasons why they are ineffectual or can't do this thing or are weakened. Mm-hmm. And so it's part of my job to help show them their strengths and their resiliencies. That they themselves can get that rock off their chest. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's actually not my job to do it. Mm-hmm. And so giving myself that, and again, Helix gave me that absolution from that responsibility. And mm. I don't know that any licensure programs really doubled down on that the way that they did, mm. which was to say, don't crawl under that rock. Mm-hmm. You know, you can feel some of that for them, but fucking help them and help them show, help show them all of their strengths. Right. That empowerment. No, I, I, that empowerment is going to fuel every aspect of their life moving forward and hopefully fuel the healing and the removal of the abuser from their life or whatever the case might be. But to your point about what you said to that particular client, I have had conversations with Corey where he has reacted a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's wow. That's, that's such a reaction, like calm down. And he's like, no, actually (laughs) this is the appropriate reaction. You are the one that has muffled your response to this horrible experience that you've, you know, mm-hmm. continued to go through. And so having that having that validation, I think is so key. Mm-hmm. I also think, you know, this brings me to, you know, sort of a tangential topic of the external the person outside of the relationship who's the abuser. Have you experienced anything like that where it was like The couple is talking to you, they're sharing what's going on, and you start to realize, hey, there's actually a really shitty friend Mm -hmm. who's, you know, influencing this and, you know, things like that. Have you experienced anything like that? Yeah, with Ashley. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Her family. Mm. Oh, right. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. she, you know, comes from, again, people don't know already. She does not mind me talking about this because she does that, you know, she does all the time too. But her mom Mm -hmm. was and is a raging borderline movie villain type of, you know, person Mm. and in my estimation uh, and actually in my clinical evaluation. Mm. And so the abuse that she received from both her brother and her father seemed like not that big a deal. And so I watched her, you know, take all sorts of mistreatment from them in various forms. You know, they always treat her like she's stupid and you know, kind of it, it just it was it was very insidious the way that the, the abuse that they bestowed upon her and I would mm-hmm. become incensed, you know, mm-hmm. and one of the ways I noticed that she was sort of an appeaser. Did I tell you about the New York Yankee thing about the guy touching? No. So uh, I'll make this. Fa- we were working in, in the bar, working at Brother Jimmy's and she had just started working there and she was a manager and, you know, she was obviously adorable. <laughs> Listen, we know that already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the New York Yankees had just won a game to, to send the, the, the World Series into the seventh game or some shit. One of the guys that was in the New York Yankees used to come in there all the time. Mm-hmm. One of the guys that was there had hit the home run to do it. Mm-hmm. And I saw her and he was standing behind her mm-hmm. and he had his hands on her. And mm-hmm. I looked at her and we weren't together at the time. We were just friends. Mm-hmm. And he's touching her. And you can see that she just didn't really know what to do. And it, it just, it, she, you could see the discomfort on her face, but between her job and also that her feelings weren't necessarily always cared about, 
and the sure. abuse from the insidious abuse from her family put her in this place where she was sort of a, an appeaser. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so I'm in the middle. I don't want to upset him. Yeah. By didn't telling upset him. him. Yeah. Didn't want to upset yeah. like the, the ownership. Right. Right. And I had right. been there for a long time and I was the head bartender and all that, but I was certainly not a manager or anything like that. And so I was like, fuck that. Cause I've, you know, seen women touched and abused like that for, for too long. Mm-hmm. And so I, I fucking stopped what I was doing. I walked out from under the bar and I walked right up to them and I stared him in the eye while I was talking to her. And I said, you do know that you don't have to let anyone put their fucking hands on you that you don't want their fucking hands on you. And he immediately just took his hands off. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. This guy might have a truck <laughs> and a match. Why is burning hair? <laughs> and she still tells that story all the time. Um, right, but she needed that. She needed that external, you know. She never had anyone tell her it was okay to stand up for herself. Now don't get in her fucking way. Right. What you know? She gives me. I've the seen her arms. She's yeah. got two tickets. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> two of them. Right to the gun show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she said, you know, no one had ever told me it was okay to stand up for myself until that moment. Mm-hmm. No one ever said that, like, you had dominion over your body, and and that that I didn't have to put up with that shit because I'd mm-hmm. always had to kind of put up with various forms of shit. It boils down to abuse. Yeah, it it makes me think of something not like that, but but the feeling of that, uh, the feeling of having been through abuse, mm. and now you found your safe mm-hmm. place. You know, you created that safe place where you mm-hmm. were protecting her, but also empowering her. Mm-hmm. To your point about the Helix training, and I think back to when Corey and I were just friends. And I had gotten out of this nightmare relationship and he knew some of it. Like Mm -hmm. it actually was, you know, we had been friends for years, but it was actually me finally telling him what I had been through. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Sarah, you've got to leave. Like you can't do this anymore. And then after that, I remember being in the car and talking to him on the phone. He was like, I need you to promise me, mm-hmm. I don't care if you go to a priest, I don't care, but you need to talk to somebody. Yeah. It was that like moment of, okay, so, so this is what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. This is, this is what yeah. it's supposed this to be. This is what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the right partner, if you take nothing else. Or friend. Right. Or friend. If you take nothing else from this episode, Take this, which is the right person will create safety, will not alienate you. Mm -hmm. They will empower your healing. Mm -hmm. You know, they will defend you. They'll model it for you. They'll model it. Yes, exactly. You will know that feeling Mm -hmm. the instant that you experience it. Because when you've been through abuse, you are so alienated from that sensation. Right. That when you finally get it, you're like... Holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. and, and you're right. It, it can be a friend. It can be a partner. It can be, a therapist. you know, a, a therapist <laughs> lighting his hair on fire, you know, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I will never get over that. Can you actually have your son draw a picture <laughs> of that for me? Because 
I need it on my fridge. Okay. <laughs> she still references it every so often. You like oh my god. Well well, some and and the thing is is like we're laughing about it now, but I'm sure hearing something like that to the exaggerated degree that you u- used made it even more impactful for her. It was like, hold oh. Oh. God damn. So this, this wasn't not like right. hair on fire, right? <laughs> Exactly. It's not, I don't want to be around that. Like that person sounds like they suck. You know, it's not that (laughs) it's I'm getting in my F one fifty. Okay. Sparking my hair. Revving it up. And going full Hemi Mm -hmm. through the front. (laughs) Well, look, sometimes we need someone to go full Hemi and show us what Corey did with you. Like, Hey, hold on a second. And you did for Ashley. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. you've been getting a little bit of the boiled frog treatment and you're, I don't know that you necessarily know what's okay and what's not okay. Mm -hmm. And and I don't care if it's family members, you know, that's not popular, but cut off from that toxicity is an absolute must if they cannot fucking get their shit together Mm -hmm. and and start treating people or treating that person with the kindness, love and respect that they need to. Mm -hmm. And deserve. And deserve. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Well, thank you, thank you for joining me for another episode. Mm-hmm. I think we, I think we did okay on this one. Yeah, I'm proud you of know? Us. I think we did. Yeah. yeah. We're By so the way, people good. out there, we could use a few fucking reviews, like some nice reviews. Yes. If you, you know, I know, I, I hear people talking about this podcast all the time and saying, "Oh my god, I love it." It's like I know it's a pain in the nuts to go pain. and do a mm-hmm. review. But they really, they help. really, really help. Yes. Yeah. They really help. So mm-hmm. if you don't mind, get off your asses, set your hair on fire. <laughs> exactly. If I can give me a five star goddamn review. Drive through those reviews, defending <laughs> us and shining light on how great we are. Okay. Like, yeah. That's what we need from you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No. no, this is, um, this has been a, you know, obviously we don't want to make l- Light light of a very serious topic, 100%. but sometimes it's it's one of my one of my uh, supervisors years ago said to me in this business. She said, "Listen, and this is a person who worked during the AIDS crisis in the '80s in San Francisco." Mm. And I said to her, "How the fuck did you get through that?" She goes, yeah. "Humor, dark humor. Yeah, you need it. Don't be afraid to use it, and 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 it will it will help you. Actually, that's a to a part of <laughs> an answer to to an earlier question, but." Yeah, so we, we we're not making light of a, no. of a serious topic, but you know sometimes a little levity does help bring us to the surface, so we can dive back a little it, deeper. Right, and fortunately, we're fucking hysterical. So Listen, if anybody it's, can it's, cope it's, with humor, it's us. And it, it was, it's it's good humor. So enjoy your time. That's exactly. I'm not saying it's in, it's not inappropriate. It's wildly inappropriate. We acknowledge that's it. how you know it's good. And that's how you know it's us. <laughs> So follow us at NYM Therapy on all the socials. You can also follow Lair, Lair Torrent, Holistic Therapist on Instagram and other socials. You can email us at notyourmamastherapy at gmail.com. And then if you're interested in learning more about Lair's practices, please pick up his book, The Practice of Love. It's available both at bookstores and on Audible. So you can listen to it while you're driving. If you're missing another episode of Not Your Mama's Therapy, just plug, Definitely good yeah, plug, in, plug in the iPhone and get going. All right. I love that. 
iPhone. I was going to say iPod, and then I was like, God, you're a fucking millennial. Look at you. I threw up. I threw up in my mind. It was like a cat puke feeling. (laughs) Back here. In my gullet. All right, monkey. I'll see you soon. (laughs) Sounds good. See you all next time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Talking about Mr. B.